Hi there. It is episode 20 of MacBook Pro. We are slowly approaching episode 21, which will mean that my podcast has reached the place that only 1% of podcasts globally ever reach. I'm pretty sure that my audience is still heavily consisting of my mom, my grandma, and my grandpa. But that's okay. Because eventually, more people will listen. And hopefully, uh, it won't be people who give me feedback that I'm too vulgar, which is the feedback that I've received from my grandpa, who seems proud of the podcast so far, but thinks that I use too many perverted uh, stories and curse words to tell uh, to tell my story. So, yeah, uh, it would be great if some of my friends continued listening to my podcast, but based on the uh, analytics that I've seen, it does not look like many of my friends actually listen to the podcast, probably because I have a lot of unofficial podcasts when I call them, and we'll talk for like an hour or two hours, and then they won't want to talk for like another two months. So I've decided that to combat that, I'm going to put an embargo on phone calls to my close friends. Now, if they want to talk to me, they're going to have to listen to the podcast. I realize that that doesn't make any sense because it won't be a conversation. So I will rephrase that. If they want to hear me, they will have to listen to my podcast because I'm done calling my friends now. Anyway... Episode 20 is going to be a special one. I'm saying that because I want you to stick around. I actually have no idea yet what it's going to be about. So we get to explore together, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Earlier today, I tried to record episode 20, but then I realized that I was pretty much saying a lot of the same stuff as the last episode. And that's something that happens. And I used to think when I would listen to a podcast and the host would be repetitive, I used to think, do better. You should know what is in every single episode. Don't you listen to your own podcast? Don't people tell you that you're repeating yourself? Well, I can now tell you that because I'm in the position of having episodes, I have no idea what I talk about. I don't remember most of my episodes. Sometimes people will ask, which episode... Which episode should I start with? And I'll say, you should probably listen to my latest one, because I legitimately do not know what's in any of my episodes. Now, I would call that progress because I'm just blowing by these episodes and really just trying to get in my reps. I think it's really important when you're starting anything that you just hit publish when you're done with it. That's why I have a satire newspaper, 
and a blog and a few other things that I've that I've spent some time on. And I don't maintain them uh, anymore. It's not that I'm never going to come back to them, but I think it's really important um, that you do spend time focusing so that you don't just spread yourself super thinly and then put out garbage content all the time. So that's where I'm at right now. Ideally, in the next year, year and a half, after everything is off the ground with my business, I would like to become a little bit more creative again and focus on my YouTube channel and also focus on my blog and my satire newspaper. But until that happens, the podcast is is really my creative outlet and this is where I put most of my focus. So you're welcome. I just took a deep breath because I want to ease into this episode. It's a special one, as I mentioned, the big 2-0. So I had a thought the other day. I was, I try not to have them too often, but I did end up having a thought because I asked somebody what they would do if they could do anything and actually make money from it. And I think like when a lot of people answer that question, they kind of just jump straight into, you know, their, their hobbies. But I was surprised by the answer I received. The answer was, well, I wouldn't want to do any of my hobbies because usually when you do your hobby as your main thing, you, you lose interest because it's not as much fun anymore. And that led me to think, well, if my podcast was the way that I was making money, I probably would feel a lot of pressure and probably not want to do it. There was a time in my life when I had a conversation with this gentleman who was the head of a company and the company was trying to launch a few different podcasts underneath its brand name. And the podcast um, that they needed a host for was a true crime podcast. So in a typical Macklin fashion, I had an interview told the guy that I was interested, and he asked me to send him over my first episode of the True Crime Podcast. So I spent probably around six to eight hours researching true crime cases to see if anybody had already done an episode on this particular case. Um, The case was concerning a teenage girl named Cookie in Indiana. It's really chilling, and I know that that's not the topic that you guys came to this podcast to listen to or to to learn about, but in case anyone is interested, I'm going to tell a little bit of the story, and if you're not interested, you can just skip forward because it's really fucked up. Sorry, Grandpa and Grandma. It's really messed up. Um, there was this girl and her younger sister, and their parents worked for Carnival, and they were always traveling around. And the girls were enrolled in public school in Indiana, and the girl's parents trusted this other mom. It was a single mom who had a couple of kids, 
trusted her to watch over this girl and, and her sister. And over the course of this girl living with the mom, many acts of abuse were committed against this girl. And, you know, she, I mean, somebody like, so maybe just to give a little bit of context before I jump into this. So there were like suspicions or rumors that the older sister was envied by this single woman's daughter. And um, pretty much like it led to a lot of situations happening at school where like uh, the older daughter was accused of being a slut and that was like justification in this like small town for a lot of the neighborhood kids to do awful things to her. I'm pretty sure somebody like carved it into her stomach, if I'm not mistaken, the word slut. And I think it was the the younger daughter of the single woman. And it got to a point where even this innocent girl's younger sister started to abuse her and bully her. And so did the single mom's son that she was living with. And then kids would just come over from the neighborhood because the mom, the single mom stopped feeding the daughter, the older daughter. She continued to take care of the younger daughter after she turned her against her older sister. And they stopped feeding her and started to like, you know, like the, the, the older sister stopped going to school and they were like beating up on her and doing like a bunch of really effed up stuff. And eventually like one night, because this older sister couldn't even like function anymore. I mean, she like literally wasn't being fed, was being beaten up all the time. Her body was revolting against her. Her immune system was revolting. Um, even like her hormones and stuff, you know, obviously when a woman doesn't get the, uh, like the nutrition that they need or like the sustenance that they need, it throws off their body clock. It throws off their hormone production. It causes a tremendous amount of problems. And so she became, I'm pretty sure she became incontinent, like she couldn't hold her bladder anymore and eventually died in this woman's house. And eventually the woman was prosecuted and she did serve jail time. But it was just a really fucked up case. And um, I chose that to be the first episode of the podcast. And so what I did was I reached out to a podcast script writer who could help me craft a script that would be compelling. And I reached out to this guy who is in India and the script that he gave me, maybe I can actually find it. Um, the script that he gave me was pretty much nothing that I thought I was going to get. I, I don't know what I was expecting. I guess like I was expecting quality that I would provide somebody um, which is, you know, a huge mistake. But um, what he gave me was much different from what I asked for. So if you guys don't mind, I never actually ended up moving forward with that podcast because I felt like it was already too much work. It, it wasn't fun. And um, not that a true crime podcast is supposed to be described as fun, but like, it definitely shouldn't feel like it's a day job. And uh, and that's how it felt. So anyway, I eventually told the guy that I 
uh, didn't want the job because I didn't think that I could commit to us, uh, commit to it. But I'm going to read you as a treat the first couple paragraphs of this <laughs> podcast script, and you guys can message me and tell me if you think that it would have done well. And it's not my goal to make fun of this guy uh, who wrote this. I mean, you know, he he put himself out there. He's a freelance writer. English is not his native language. But holy shit, I paid money for this. So you guys can listen. The magnitude of our thinking cannot even begin to define the magnitude of our thinking capability. It just defines how we have been trained to think. The dimensions of our thinking are limited by the norms of the society we live in. We usually don't think out of these limits. Most of these human beings spend their whole lives and die without ever going outside these limits. Ever observe how we respond to good ideas? We applause and appreciate them because they are extraordinary and unique. They are out of the way. The human brain is capable of supreme things. For one, we put a man on the moon. Unfortunately, those supreme things can be in the negative direction too. For example, More human beings have been tormented and humiliated by their fellow human beings than by the wildest of animals. Through all ages, records of history have been tainted by such instances where man proved to be the wildest of creatures. Even in today's modern day and age, we often see such horrific shows of brutality that shock our souls. Stories that make us ask ourselves if there is a wild animal inside of us too. Is there an abnormal being behind these shades of normal? What can possibly happen if the wild creature is let loose? In today's episode, we present to you one such heinous story of brutality that will shake your soul. It's the story of a young girl whose torture was organized by none other than her caregiver, whose own sister was forced to take part in the torture. This is the story of Sylvia Likens. We bring to you the details of what happened when she was left in the care of a total stranger and how she was tortured. But why was she tortured? You'll have to decide for yourself at the end. I wonder if you guys just got goosebumps. So, what did you think? Yeah, he delivered 27 pages, 26 pages fully uh, for this podcast script which I have to say, it's impressive. He was able to really turn it around quickly. But based on the quality, I I now believe that he had access to ChatGPT in 2020 when I contacted him for this. 
So, yeah. That was a long time ago. It's crazy, though. It's crazy. I mean, this guy just turned it out. And uh, he churned it out, I should say. And so that was going to be uh, the direction that I was going to take my second podcast in. My first podcast I did with a group of friends. Uh, as I've mentioned in the last episode, I think I mentioned in the last episode. Maybe I didn't. Maybe that was episode 20 that I didn't finish today. Who knows? Um, but I was going to have another podcast called Where's My Dad? And it was a comedy podcast with a couple of my friends during the pandemic. It didn't really pan out. And uh, I think I might have been the only one that was like fully committed to it. But what it taught me was that when you're doing something creative, especially something creative or something entrepreneurial, it's really important that you do the work and that you initiate everything. Because if you don't initiate everything, it's very unlikely that other people are going to do the work for you and get started. I actually don't know too many people who get started um, at all, actually. And because I don't know too many people that get started, it's also very, um, it's also very likely that there are tons and tons and tons of people out there who would be incredible entrepreneurs and probably incredible creatives, and they just never take the first step. And uh, you know, it's sad, but this guy that wrote me this podcast episode is not one of them. He is very much a self-starter. So mad respect to him. I hope that he's doing well. Wish him nothing but the best. So um, for the true crime podcast, what happened was I actually started to read it with one of my buddies. Uh, we were going to just co-read the podcast script. Uh, decided that that was an awful idea. And uh, yeah, we pulled the plug pretty quickly on it. So yeah, now you guys know that you know this was not going to be my first podcast idea of me just talking into the microphone by myself. I try to involve others because I find that it is so much easier in theory because it's almost like you're sharing the burden together but most people just pull out of the process before you even get going so no no uh no shade by the way no shade i'm grateful um but yeah in case you haven't heard it yet nobody is coming to save you with anything that you do and you got to just take the take the leap of faith and just do what you're doing it's funny how you envision things to turn out a certain way and then they just end up going in a completely different direction. And I'm really glad that my life has happened the way that it has because when I first moved to Berlin, I was working for a company that is doing really well now. They're a startup. And I realized after I started working there that I was absolutely miserable. And it wasn't because of the company that I was miserable, although at the time I thought that that played a huge role in it. But I, I actually have come to realize that it's because, in, in large part, it's because of me. It's because I 
was focusing more on finding a job in Berlin than I was on actually finding a job that would speak to me. Because I was coming at the time from Google and I just wanted to work for a startup so that I could live in Berlin. And that was, I mean, it wasn't like the worst attitude to have. Again, I think it's better to just get started than to get caught in the details, but it just wasn't the space for me. Um, The decision makers weren't the kinds of decision makers I was used to working with. And I had just been, you know, really focused before that on working with CMOs and co-founders. And that's who I shine with. So yeah, with the new thing that I'm doing, it's, you know, I'm definitely taking a leap of faith. I'm praying to the universe that I will have my first clients at some point in the next couple of weeks. And um, let's see how that goes. But yeah, nobody is going to rescue me from this. And it's exciting. It's scary. It's a bunch of different emotions wrapped in, it's like a pig in a blanket. I don't know if you guys know what that is. Uh, If you're European and you're listening to this, it's like a biscuit that is wrapped around a hot dog. I don't eat meat anymore, but it's it's an American favorite for sure. So yeah, that, that's kind of how I feel right now. Just like I have all of these emotions that are wrapped up in a blanket, in a biscuit. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm scared. I'm worried. I'm happy. Um, I'm optimistic. And for me, it's really important that I have the opportunity to live the life that I want to live, to travel, to go wherever I want to go. And to work with interesting people and most importantly, to choose the clients that I work with. Because when you get to choose the clients that you work with, you're pretty much choosing whether or not you want to be happy with the work itself. And I've heard a lot of people um, that have started their own companies say that it has eventually reached the place where they hate their company because they're pretty much employed, if you want to think of it like that, by their clients. So... I'm only working with really cool clients that have great personalities. Now, something I I worry about sometimes is that maybe one of my potential clients will listen to my podcast and will say, I was going to work with that guy, but then I listened to how perverted he is on his podcast. And I thought, why would I work with somebody who's that disgusting? Let me just say this. It's an honest question. It's not a it's not a gotcha, not a gotcha moment. Would you rather work with somebody who is authentically themselves, even if it means that they're a little bit, you know, outside of a, outside of the box kind of thinker, a little bit of an outside of the box thinker, or do you want to work with somebody who's just the classic corporate cutout? It's up to you. It's your decision. But I think for me, what I've learned so far in my life is that if you really want something and you're willing to put yourself out there, you will eventually attract people that see the world similarly to the way that you do. And I've been very fortunate so far, even in this short tenure of starting to prospect for clients, uh, to have found people that really vibe with me, that I would be honored to work with that are trying to change the world. And for for me at least like 
education is the most important thing in my mind. I find that it's very important to enable people to encounter new ideas, to ask themselves challenging questions, and I guess most importantly, to evolve their way of thinking and to see the world in a different way than maybe they would have otherwise. Because, you know, there there are a lot of people out there, as I mentioned, that I believe would be amazing creatives, great entrepreneurs, you know, um, potentially philosophers, scientists, mathematicians, what have you. And the only reason that people don't know who they are is that they don't ever put themselves out there. And to me, that's really sad because, you know, the world is, in my mind, the world is plentiful. There's a lot, there's enough for us all to be successful and to find what we're looking for in life. So anyway, I'm going to get off of this horse for now maybe return back to the podcast, to the topics that you guys, you love. That's why you tune in. You love these topics. So what I'd be really, um, what I'd be really curious to see is like, if any of, I guess like if any of the moments in my life where I thought like I remember things clearly actually turned out the way or actually happened or unfolded the way that I felt that they did. I feel like so much of the world that we see is just like our own perception added on to the events of the world. But, you know, what is history? What is reality? I have no idea. Sometimes I'll read biographies and I'll ask myself, you know, what percentage of what I'm reading is actually true? Even if it's by a really good biographer, like Walter Isaacson, Robert Caro, it just makes me wonder, though, like how much of this actually happened the way that it sounds like it happened, and how much is just fabricated. And because I journal every single day, I do worry sometimes that someone's going to find my journals, like long after I'm gone. And they're only going to focus on the things that are like super embarrassing. And they're just going to write like a bunch of biographies. And that got me thinking when they found Marcus Aurelius's writings and the writings of, you know, uh, I don't know, anybody else that's had like biographies written about them, who's kept journals like Benjamin Franklin, for instance. Do you think that they included details in their journals that were inappropriate and then the biographers out of respect for them just didn't include it? Or do you think that Marcus Aurelius and Benjamin Franklin just didn't write about that at all and kind of just like created a false impression of who they were? Because at least like from what I've journaled so far, I feel like I try not to hold back any punches. I try to be like really authentic and honest because one day I could definitely imagine my children finding my journals and wanting to learn more about me. And I don't want it to feel like they never got to know me in that way 
or my grandchildren, right? My ancestors, whoever it is. But like, do you think that in Benjamin Franklin's diary that there was ever like a time where he was like, last night, Martha, I'm just assuming that's his wife's name, Martha made lasagna and I had diarrhea. Like, do you think that that was ever part of any of his writing? Or do you think like Marcus Aurelius was ever like, last yesterday I tried a new sex position with my wife. I'm calling it the 69. Yeah, those are the questions that I ask myself as I'm writing in my journal because I don't want to be excluded from history just because I'm a little too honest, if you will. So maybe what I'll do is I'll eventually go back through my journals and I'll just use whiteout or I'll just tear pages out entirely. And then when the biographers find the missing pages, oh my God, this is definitely what happens. You know how like archaeologists and biographers will be like, there's a missing page. What what happened on page 18? And they'll think it's like this crazy treasure map or something, at least in movies, that's what you see. They're like, oh, it must be this mystical writing. But what if it was like, last night I had sex and I only lasted 15 seconds. It was so embarrassing. Or like, me and my me and my friends went out last night and uh and one of us like threw up and slipped on it i mean obviously if you're a biographer and you're reading that it's really difficult as i mean it depends obviously if you're um you know trying to make the person seem like they're godlike or if they're just uh if you're just trying to like humanize them but i mean you probably would include that or maybe I guess it depends. I would probably, as a biographer, include that information to make them feel a little bit more approachable. But over time, uh, or throughout time, biographers have done such a good job of making figures seem like they are better than they really were, or like somehow um, different in a more godlike kind of way. And uh, I'll just say that my biographers will be very disappointed um, by the vulgarity of my um of my journals and if the journals aren't enough then they'll just go through the podcast episodes and they'll be like okay this was just a normal guy just a normal very very successful wealthy and hard-working guy but normal because he's just disgusting and the things that he says wow someone asked me if i feel exposed um, by putting all of this out there? The answer is no, because I'm like this with every single person that I meet, and um, I don't feel like I need to hide behind anything for people to appreciate me. There's a lot of people in this world, and my hope is that I just meet people that make me feel like I shine, and less people that make me feel like there's something wrong with me for being the way that I am. That's all I can really hope for, is that I meet people that enable me to be me. Okay, wow. So, where is this conversation going to go from here? Is the question that always bounces around my head after I'm done launching down a tirade. I did have a thought the other day that I'm not sure if it's appropriate to share on the podcast but I'm going to share it anyway, because when in doubt, get it out. 
And the, the idea that I've been thinking about a lot recently it has to do with nutrition, specifically the nutrition of packaged foods in grocery stores. So it's no secret that since the 19, I want to say the 1960s and the 1970s, maybe even as early as the 50s in the United States, uh, companies have been putting just disgusting chemicals into foods to make them taste sweeter, to have artificial flavors, to have artificial colors, to, you know, just be more addictive and saltier as well for the salty snacks. And when you really think about the amount of calories that a body needs to maintain its weight or to gain or lose weight, it's absurd because if you have just like one bag of tortilla chips, one bag of tortilla chips, plain tortilla chips with salt on them, I think at least the one that I have at the store near me, it's like 1,200 calories for this bag of tortilla chips. And for the lentil chips, I don't know, maybe it's 800 calories or maybe it's 1,000 calories and it's a really small bag. And so, you know, I think sometimes like when I used to go on my like little benders where I would just get, you know, a ton of snacks that I love, I would think like, well, I would normally avoid asking myself this question, but I would look back and think to myself, how, how am I going to not get fat from eating this? And uh, the answer is, I don't think... I don't think it's possible. I really don't think it's possible to eat like shit and not get fat. And it makes me wonder if there's any future for us as people, like as like average people, because the, the statistics are insane. I don't have them in front of me. I could Google them pretty easily, but then I would have to like A, fact check and then B, I'd have to like tell you what the source is and I'd have to like give you, you know, science-backed information. But you can do the research yourself because I don't want to fall victim to confirmation bias and search something right now that is only going to give me the results that I need. But do me a favor. You don't have to. You're probably not going to. But if you just search like how many people in the United States or what is the percentage of people in the United States that are, are considered obese, And then look at the trends, if they have, over the years, over the last like 40 or 50 years. Tell me if you think that in 100 years from now, there are still going to be people who have like a healthy weight. Because in my mind, I just don't see, I don't see how these companies get away with putting whatever they're putting into the food, you know, to make it so like tasty Uh, and calorically dense, you know, how these companies get away with it. It's crazy to me because we know now that there's a direct link between belly fat and some diseases. And a lot of these diseases are preventable by, you know, eating the right diets and avoiding, um, you know, getting to a place of obesity. And I, I think like it's going to be a rarity in the next like 30 years within the next 30 years, it already is kind of, but for somebody to be in really good shape, like to have a six pack now as a guy is 
extremely difficult. I mean, it's always been hard, but like, I guess back in like the 60s, there there were less foods of convenience. And maybe another thing too, and this might be simplifying it a bit, um, I would imagine that one thing was that parents probably had dinner at home every single night with their kids. I mean, okay, not every single night, but it was probably more common to have dinner at home with your kids. There was probably way less, okay, you know for a fact that there was way less food delivery. I'm trying to figure out how to say how to say stuff that I just assume uh, without having to have facts to back it up. So yeah, I'm just going to make some assumptions and then we can try to test them. So there was less convenience. There were less items, like less junk food items. People were probably cooking a lot more at home. Um, I would also imagine that people got more exercise. I would also imagine that younger people were less stressed out because we know that stress causes, um, can cause weight gain as well. I would also probably imagine that people slept better because maybe they were spending less time on their phones before bed. Uh... Yeah, so those are quite a few of the assumptions that I would that I would make personally. And it just worries me. Ah, sorry, I had to have a water break. I was getting thirsty. I guess it just worries me because I think about like my own children and trying to set an example for them. And you know, right now I'm probably in like the best shape that I've ever been. But I still feel like it's not effortless. I mean, of course, it's not it's never going to be effortless. But I feel like it should be easier. It should be easier to stay in shape. And it's not. And even with like rigorous exercise, I mean, when I was running ultra marathons, I was running sometimes, you know, 3 to 4 hour runs in one day just just one run for three to four hours. And sure, I would burn somewhere around, let's call it 1,500 to 2,500 or 3,000 calories. But I had to also eat every 30 minutes while I was training. And so the deficit was probably, you know, only at the end of the day, only maybe it would have probably been somewhere around 1,500 calories. And I think it's 3,000 calories or so, that like roughly 3,000 calories that equates to one pound of fat loss. So if you are in a caloric deficit and you eat, I think it's 3,500 cal- calories less, that's one pound of fat loss or weight loss, technically, mass. I'm not a nutritionist, if you couldn't tell, but... I'm deeply interested in the subject and, and I I guess I just worry about, you know, how difficult it is as somebody who is really conscious about the food that I eat and what I put into my body in general. So yeah, if you're out there and you feel like you struggle with your weight or you feel like you struggle with your mindset and keeping food off your plate, I can just tell you 
that I really recommend listening to an episode of Lewis Howes' podcast. Quick plug for Lewis Howes. Um, I'm going to give you the name of it, of the, the guest that he has on this one episode. Okay. Her name is Susan Pierce Thompson. It's S-U-S-A-N-P-E-I-R-C-E-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N. Lewis Howes, L-E-W-I-S-H-O-W-E-S-W, sorry, W. Um, so the reason that I plug podcasts and other content on my podcast is that I would not be able to continue living the life that I want to live if I didn't rely so heavily on people who have great messages and information. I read a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm constantly challenging myself to learn and grow and develop. And I also am very grateful for some of the people out there that are dedicating their lives to making such information accessible. So I highly recommend that you guys listen to that podcast if you get a chance. And can we just also say that the dad bod is really not a good thing? Like even if it's attractive somehow, we don't want people dying of preventable diseases. You know, we don't want people to have hypertension and diabetes and, and, uh, and certain kinds of cancers and stuff like that. So I think it's just really important that, you know, we do a better job of monitoring what we're eating and just trying to, it would be great if the, if the U.S. government was more stringent about what kinds of foods are allowed inside of cafeterias at public schools and um you know what's like allowed on the shelf and on the shelves and stuff like that because it's crazy that we have soda uh pop uh cola i don't know what people call it i think those are the three ones that i can think of it's crazy that that exists that we just have this like syrup water it's not even water that we have like this syrup drink that's carbonated on the shelves and that these companies, these large-ass companies with billions and billions and billions of dollars pretty much control the world in the sense that they are able to, you know, get on the shelves in any country. I mean, you have, you have companies like McDonald's and Burger King as well, right? They're in everywhere. And they pretty much just like their mission is to sell as much as they possibly can, which means that people get as fat as they possibly can. I mean, there's really no way around it. Unless you're a super athlete, you're not going to be able to keep off the weight if you eat fast food regularly. I just don't see it being possible. And then you you will have people, though, that have a high metabolism, but it's like a ticking time bomb. I mean, how long until the metabolism isn't fast anymore or that they still get a disease or some kind of like illness or you know some kind of condition because they're not getting the nutrition that they need. So yeah. Anyway, that was a pretty long rant, and uh, I wasn't expecting that for episode twenty, especially not when we started it off so strong with the Sylvia Likens case of my true crime uh, podcast that never got off the ground. But that's the cool thing about this uh, podcast for me is that 
It doesn't need to follow any specific formula. I don't need to think about it the day before. I don't need to write anything down. I just sit here. I just let the thoughts come to me. You know, one day I, I want to have the same reputation in my family that my great-grandfather had for me when I was growing up, even though he wasn't alive. My grandma always used to say that my great-grandfather had arms of steel, that he looked like Popeye, bicep-wise, not face-wise, luckily. And that, you know, he, he always had a really good physique. And I want the same for myself. I mean, I, I really do work on it. I go to the gym. I'm constantly mindful of what I'm eating. Sometimes I stress eat still. I'm not perfect. But I'm not going to umami and spending $1,400 like I did, or 1,400 euros, I should say, like I did in 2021 month. Um... If you guys ever want more details on that, you're going to have to DM me because I don't know if I feel comfortable sharing that story on the podcast about what I was eating at Umami, but it was a serious problem. So now that that is no longer my reality and the pandemic is in the rearview mirror or so it seems, I just feel like I have so much more control over my life and a higher motivation to just be a better version of myself. And not allow, you know, these external factors to dictate how I live my life. Of course, external factors can never really tell you how you're going to live your life, but they can definitely impact your behavior and and make you feel like you might not have another way. And so, yeah, that's kind of um how i how i look at the situation it's like you know you can definitely be impacted but the decision uh ultimately lies within you now i'm going to tell you one of my deepest fears because i want to i want you guys to know that when i come on this podcast i make myself vulnerable like a little gazelle waiting for a lion to rip its throat out. And, um, you know, one of my biggest fears is that somebody that is really close to me in my life is going to hear my podcast and I'm going to have mentioned them in the podcast and they're going to tell me that I need to take that episode down. That's my biggest fear. And if you're listening to this and now you're curious if I've ever mentioned you in any of my episodes, I suggest that you give up your search. It's not worth finding out. And if you ever ask me directly not to include you in my podcast, I will not include you in my podcast. I'm kind of like a journalist. When you say that something's off the record, I have to respect it. It's part of journalistic integrity. But it's not my goal to make fun of people on this podcast, to put them in any kind of bad light or anything like that. It's all fun. I'm just having a good time. And I hope that if they ever listen, they also have a good time and that they get to relive some of these memories together. And I was wondering if there was like anything else that was, you know, that I I felt like I needed to get out in today's episode. I guess like one of the only things that I can think of is that if you have a business opportunity where you need somebody who has a silky voice to be the voice of your brand or something like that you should just let me know because that could be fun i would love to be someone's spokesperson 
Uh, but there are a couple kinds of companies that I will not work with because of um, ethical reasons or just because I don't think it'd be good for my brand. Um, I don't work with cigarette companies. I don't work with firearm companies. I don't work with fast food companies. I don't work with... I actually don't have any sponsors, so I don't really work with anybody, if I'm being honest. But those would be the kinds of companies that I wouldn't want to work with. Obviously, I don't work with companies that are bad and bad people and stuff like that. I will definitely not work with the Church of Scientology. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, when you when you get to episode 20, that's I've heard the rumors that is when the companies start to reach out to you because they know that you are the real deal. You're on episode 20. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, um, my goal with this podcast is just to keep it going. You know, every week, come back, figure out, you know, different stories that I have in my head that float around from time to time and just get them out because I never know when I'm just going to cross the street one day and get hit by a bus. And I have had that thought before where I'm like, um, damn, would I even have time to get out of the way if a bus were coming around the corner super fast? I like to think that I would, but sometimes when I have like the visualization, I dive and my leg gets hit by the bus. And so I have a broken, I have a broken leg in my fantasy. Um, but that's why I, I, I wear running shoes uh, usually. Well, I mean, not running shoes, but like athletic shoes. They're not running shoes, guys. I don't look like a dweeb. They're just like Adidas white shoes um, sometimes. And, you know, I, I always feel good about that. But if I were wearing like Timberlands while walking down the street, I would definitely be a little bit more worried because I would definitely not be able to run in them. And sometimes I also think like, what would happen if I were walking down the street in Berlin and somebody tried to mug me and I were wearing Timberlands? I would be helpless. But in my really fast white Adidas shoes that I don't remember the names of, um, I'm able to get away from people, I think, at least in my head. So I hopefully that, that translates into the real world. And if Adidas wants to sponsor me, I would not mind. Uh, but yeah, um, before I sign off, I just wanted to give you guys a quick little story that I thought you would enjoy. Sometime in 2021, I was walking home in Prenzlauerberg, which is pretty much like New York, kind of like a Brooklyn vibe in Berlin. It just feels like it's really posh and like put together compared to the rest of Berlin. So when you walk around Prenzlauerberg, very often you'll think that you're in an English speaking country because you'll hear so many people speaking English. And anyway, that has nothing to do with the story. Um, I was walking home one night and I saw this guy was sitting on a bench in front of a restaurant. The restaurant was closed and there was a couple in front of me and the guy started uh, talking shit from the bench at the guy that was like the boyfriend, I guess, in the couple. That sounded super weird. Uh, he started talking shit to the guy that was in front of me that was with presumably his girlfriend or fiance or wife. And he stands up and gets in the guy's face and then punches him in the face, like completely unprovoked. So I rush over and I put the guy into a headlock and I'm holding him back. And for some reason, the guy who got punched now starts throwing punches at this guy's face. The problem, my face is next to his face because I have him in a chokehold. 
So I kind of like try to like move my face out of the way so that I don't get punched. And this guy is not taking the hint that it's better to just, I mean, if you're going to punch the guy while I'm holding him, which I was not trying to have happen, I'm not an 80s bully, but if you're going to do it, punch him in the body, you know, like punch him a few times in the body. If you do punch him in the face, punch him on the side of his face. That's not where my face is. Well, this guy wasn't thinking, obviously, and he didn't know how to fight, obviously, and just starts throwing these wild punches. And one of them almost punches, like he almost punches me directly in the eye. So I let go of the guy that I have in a headlock. It's not a chokehold, okay? But it was definitely a headlock. I had his, uh, I had scooped both of my arms underneath his arms so that his arms were above his head. And then both of my hands were wrapped around the back of his head and my knuckles were locked. My fingers were, were interlaced. So I let go of the guy and I'm just trying to understand the situation and what's evolving but I, I'm keeping a healthy distance from the guy that's in the headlock or that was in the headlock because he's now trying to punch the guy that was trying to punch him. And he picks up a bottle and throws it in my direction and it breaks on the floor, shatters on the floor, and I'm continuing to walk, kind of like turning around now to make sure that there's nothing else flying in my direction. And the guy walks over to the bottle and picks it up and points it at me like it's a knife and then points it back at the other guy. And then this other random dude shows up and starts like throwing hands at him. And I just walk away and I go, yeah, not tonight. But I do wonder if I died that night because it would make a lot of sense. Like why I created a podcast, why I decided to found a company. If I was, if I were dead all along, this would make a tremendous more, this would make much more sense, I think, to me than that I just decided to make these decisions out of nowhere. I'm 29 years old, you know, can't teach a dog new tricks. But yeah, it does feel like that might have been one of the nights that I died. Another night that I think I might have died, I went on a three-day New Year's Eve party streak bender in 20, I don't know, 2013 maybe? And it was crazy because, you know, I spent the entire weekend with one of my buddies in Brooklyn and I was still in college at the time and I was just, you know, staying with him and we went to a couple Brooklyn um, raves and we also went, we also went to a, uh, a couple um, clubs as well. And I guess like the notable highlights of that weekend, I'll definitely tell the story in full one day. Some of the notable highlights of the weekend were that we went to this one club called uh, the Panther Room at Output. And it's like the side of the club that we went to is the side where like, it's pretty much invite only because it's a different part of the club altogether. And the reason that we went there is that there was a huge line in the front of the club and there was no chance that we were going to get in within like an hour or two. So as we're walking up to the bouncer, we hear the girl in front of us is um, telling the bouncer that he, that she knows a guy named Sean. Excuse me, I just burped. So as we get to the bouncer, he looks at us. He's like, what? And I'm like, I know Sean. And he's like, how do you know Sean? 
and I tell him that I went to college with Sean. And he's like, you went to college with Sean? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay. Doesn't ask Sean to come down to verify us or anything like that. So we just go in. And uh, yeah, that night, I think that was like the second night of us being out in a row with like only three hours of sleep. Uh, That night was a ton of fun. I remember that at some point I jumped on cars that were parked. Not like I didn't bounce up and down on them, but I, I guess I thought I was a superhero and I was jumping from car to car. I only did that for a few cars. Really stupid, but I also would fully believe that I died that night because um, there was just way too much alcohol in my body and uh, I don't know how I survived that entire weekend. And I feel like one day what's going to happen is that I'm going to go to heaven, of course, because I'm a good guy, and I'm going to get there and I'm going to find out that I've been dead for like years. And I'm going to ask them, how am I dead? And they're going to be like, dude, are you joking? You've literally even talked about this on the podcast. Like, (laughs) come on. You know, nobody does what you did and survives. I know that that now makes me sound like I'm a badass, but I'm not. I mean, I am, but not for that reason. I'm not trying to die. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, kill myself or anything like that. But I definitely have made some mistakes. And, uh, you know, just gotta, gotta keep moving forward every day and be grateful for the fact that I don't wear, um, Timberlands when I cross the street because I want to, I want to live to be as old as I can be. So yeah, that is pretty much the end of today's episode, I think, because I... Well, it's like 11.05, and I definitely want to grab some sleep tonight. I think I, I think I owe it to myself to have a little bit of a rest, to wake up tomorrow feeling somewhat recharged, especially after today's Easter party. And uh, that is fully my intention. So I'm looking right now at my dog, Noodle. She's a great girl. Uh, she's been very patient with me all day. She pretty much just runs over to all women and mostly just all women, but sometimes men as well. And she introduces herself. So she's very popular in my neighborhood. And um, into at today's party, she was everywhere as she always is and was very grateful to have the opportunity to meet new people. And I'm fully convinced that if dogs could text, that they would 100%, that Nudie would 100% always be texting people, and I would never have her attention. So I'm very grateful that texting for dogs doesn't exist yet. But there was one time when I was just like a little bit out of it. Like I wasn't like, you know, drunk or anything, but I just wasn't really thinking. And... I left Nudie with my ex-girlfriend, and once I left, uh, like once I left my ex-girlfriend's place, I went to go text Noodle and realized that she's a dog, but I was so excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to see how Nudie's doing, and I went to go text her, and then 
was like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's a dog. And then I texted my ex-girlfriend and said, how's nudie? <laughs> so anyway, I hope that you guys enjoyed today's episode. I enjoyed making it. And uh, I'm really excited because episode 21 will officially put me in the stratosphere of the top 1% of podcasts, not in terms of listeners. Again, I think I have three main listeners, my grandma, my grandpa, and my mother now. Um, but yeah, hopefully some of my friends come around again and they start to listen to the podcast and give me some level of love and respect. And maybe at my uh, funeral one day, people will come to the funeral and my podcast will be playing on one of the speakers and everyone will listen and at the end they will clap. Yeah. Alrighty, everyone. Uh, happy Easter. Talk to you soon. Stay safe. Don't drink and drive. And um, that's all I got. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>